Welcome, all of you wine and true crime lovers. I'm Brandy. And I'm Chris. And this is Texas Wine and True Crime. Thank you for being here, friends, for this week's case, the murder of Melanie Goodwin. Hey, Chris. Hola, Brandy. How are you, babe? Doing excellent. <laughs> good, good. Any news? Anything exciting you want to share? Well... We have exciting news. We can't really say it yet, so I guess we'll have to kind of wait on that. It's still we've, a we've got a few exciting newses, 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 yeah, we going on. Yeah, yeah, still living like gypsies. Still living like gypsies. Uh, house is n- not done um, yet. <laughs> no, not yet. One of these days we'll One be of back these days. on a normal schedule and pattern. So our dogs have been with the dog sitter since we've left our house. And That's been a good break. It has been a good break, but I kind of I've really missed them today. Like I've the, the she our dog sitter is amazing. Her name is Emily. So if you're local to us, I'll give you her information. She is a godsend. I will say that. But she sends us pictures, and she sent us pictures today. They're all outside enjoying the sunshine, and yeah, I'm kind of missing them. And I noticed. Um... You mentioned next Tuesday we'll have a big announcement, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, different announcement. Oh, I'm sorry. That other announcement will come after next Tuesday because that is a little on hold at the moment. Not on hold, but just we don't know if it's going to be done by Tuesday. But like I said, we've got a lot of um, announcements. So I know. Just full of announcements. <laughs> Just full of them. Lots of information we can't share with anybody. So <laughs> it's you been so know, hard. Right? It's been hard. I know. Okay, tonight, guys, we are sipping on a 2019 Estrella Blanca from um, our friends over at Spirit of Texas Winery. Mm-hmm. We actually got this bottle from our friends over at Ten Mile Productions. We did, and it's a very good wine. Man, it's delicious. Uh, like Chris said, we've got a big announcement coming up next week, so stay tuned. Um, yeah, so we're going to release Tuesdays. We're now back on Tuesdays. That is our that is our uh, goal, to stay on Tuesday. So the big announcement will come on our episode next Tuesday. So okay. fr- friends out there, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a thing. Uh, just a huge thanks to everyone that has supported the show since inception. We just love you guys so much and just appreciate it. With all the big news coming out, everything we have going on, it's just, you know, it's nice to always hear from people and and share your reviews. Thank you for everyone who's put a review on and said some, you know, the thing about reviews for us, or at least me, Chris, is I want to learn from them, right? Like my slurping when I drink wine on the show and drink water, well, when you're talking this much, you have to make sure that you take a little sip of something just to kind of, you know. Yeah, you get parched. You do get parched. It's a lot of talking. So, but I'm going to do my best to not. You talk a lot, so you must drink a lot. So. <laughs> uh, it, Chris, you know, it, it, what do they What do they say? Um, damn it. It was good to, with, oh, big response. No, what is it? When you have a big job, big responsibility comes with it. I, I'm totally. I'm a little lost on your <laughs> I'll think of it. I'll think of it. Okay. Um, but yeah, so again, the reviews. Thank you, friends, for leaving them. We learn from them. We embrace them, whether good or bad. But we just appreciate you caring enough to leave a review. I think that's... If people didn't care, I don't think they would leave reviews. I agree. So thank you, guys. All right, babe. Are you ready to get into this week's case? Yeah, let's dive in. All right, friends. Let's sip some wine and talk some crime. 
This week, we are discussing the kidnapping and murder of Melanie Goodwin out of Denton, Texas. As always, we are going to give you a few facts about the city that our crime takes place in. So let's learn a little bit about Denton, shall we? We shall. Number one, Denton is home to two large universities, the University of North Texas, also known as UNT, and Texas Women's University, also known as TWU. So big college town, two big, big schools there. Big party town as well. Big party town, big music town. Big music town. Number two, my friend, Dr. Phil. Your friend? friend? Oh, yeah. We met at CrimeCon. We're, we're totally friends. And I said, I My have a favorite pod- person ever. <laughs> I said, I have a podcast. And I told him the name. And he was saying, congratulate. It was totally cool. Yeah, we're buddies. So Dr. Phil went to UNT and earned both his master's and PhD in clinical psychology there. But here's a fun fact. He actually earned his undergraduate degree at Midwestern State University in Wichita Falls, Texas, where I'm born. Where I'm attending school. That's him. Yes. So what do they call it? Seven degrees of separation? I guess. I'm smart. Yeah. I'm totally just. That's neat. y'all's connection. Is- I am not. No, I don't even think that was right. I don't think what I just said was actually correct. So forget it's that. It's actually six degrees, I believe. <laughs> six degrees. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, I should call Dr. Phil and tell him, but uh, maybe I'll see him at CrimeCon in Vegas. Are right. we going? We're going, right? We've got to go. We've got to go. Number three, famous people. There's a lot of famous people in bands from Denton. Uh, I I actually text Chris this question. Tell me some bands from Denton. And he came back with like a gazillion. So lots of them. Good job, babe. We've got Bowling for Soup. We've got Nora Jones, Roy Orbison, Trip and Daisy. um, And a good one, The World Just Lost Meatloaf. Yep. Polyphonic Spree, Neon Indian. Just yeah. to name a few other ones. So, yeah. <laughs> Most of the big bands in the local area around here came from Denton. So, yeah. Well, Slobberbone. Okay. Yeah. If you know who that is, so maybe you <laughs> no don't. No clue. Okay. You're such a music y, musician y. I'm also a little older than you, so. I know, but still, you know, you, it took you like two seconds to answer me back with all these names. Mm-hmm. So I, you saved me a lot of research time. So I appreciate that. Around 1 a.m. on September 25th, 2007, Melanie Goodwin had just finished working, got in her car and started heading to her boyfriend's apartment. Her boyfriend, Ali Valencia, asked Melanie to stop at a local convenience store for Cheetos and chocolate milk. Ten hours later, Carrollton police are called to the scene of a body found near the parking lot of an office building. What happened to Melanie Goodwin? Okay, Chris, we always talk about the random senseless crimes and just how frightening they are because it really just comes down to being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Melanie, this she's beautiful. She's young, intelligent. She met evil face to face that night. So Melanie is a 19-year-old theater and arts major at UNT. Her family said she has wanted to be an actress and performer ever since she was a little girl. She had lots of friends. She was very much into her faith. She was very religious. She was beautiful. She was smart. She was funny. She was friendly. She didn't use drugs. She's just an all-around American girl. On the night of September 24th, Melanie was working as a representative for Red Bull. 
So, and that night, she and the other girls are working outside of GameStop in Denton. So, Chris, there's a big release of a game that night. Halo 3 is being released um, that night. So, there's a bunch of teenagers, a bunch of young college kids waiting in line outside of GameStop. Right? We've seen this. People Uh waiting in line. Something's releasing at midnight. So, Melanie and her coworkers are outside handing out Red Bulls to everyone waiting in line outside. Okay, so she was like a promo girl with all of her friends. They're handing out Red Bulls, having a good time. And, you know, that was her job while she was going to college. Great job going to college. Easy, probably made some really good money, met a lot of new people. She was very social, so it was a perfect fit for her. So her night comes to an end, and she leaves her gig at GameStop between 1 and 1.30 a.m. So she's staying with her boyfriend, Ali, that night. So, Chris, she calls him from the car and tells him, you know, listen, I just finished. I'm on my way. And he tells her he's going to leave the door unlocked for her at his apartment. He does have one request, though. He asks her if she can stop for Cheetos and chocolate milk. So he was asking for some snacks um, at a local convenience store that is not far from his apartment. Totally innocent request. Uh-huh. So she says yes, and Melanie pulls into the quick trip parking lot and goes inside. So Melanie calls Ali. For, now, she's inside of the QT, Chris, at this point, and she calls him again, letting him know that she's purchasing the snacks, and she's about to get in the car and head over to his place. Well, Chris, Ali falls asleep after that phone call. And when he finally wakes up in the morning, he realizes she never made it over there. She's not there when he wakes up. Um, so he he believes that she actually never made it back to the apartment. The apartment's still unlocked. She's nowhere to be found. So we now have a worried boyfriend because Melanie is not there. So he is a little concerned about where she could have gone. Now, while this is happening in Denton, 30 miles away in Carrollton, Texas, a call comes into the Carrollton Police Department the morning of September 25th. So the same morning, Ali's waking up, looking for Melanie, a call comes in to the Carrollton Police Department. An employee at a nearby business reports finding a burnt female body lying in a ditch. Now, this is broad daylight, and 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 the body is burnt beyond recognition. The only reason this caller says it's a female is because of the hair. So okay. he sees the longer hair and just determines that it, it's actually a female. So again, broad daylight. This area is um, where she's found. Is it, it's basically just office buildings with a parking lot, and it's not like downtown office buildings it's these are one story flat office buildings not very many employees probably not a very big parking lot and so she was very easy to spot once people started to pull into the parking lot and go into work police arrive on the scene um and they do quickly realize that um she is burned beyond recognition and so um Thankfully, Chris, these buildings are loaded with CCTV cameras. 
So, um, and now they're on the outside of the building. So all the cameras are on the outside. There are some on inside, but nothing ever gave way to for them to think that she would have entered any of these buildings. So Carrollton police gain access to those cameras and they're able to see what exactly happened in the parking lot. So you see a red Saturn. So this is within hours. So we're talking about Melanie. It doesn't show up at her boyfriend's house, okay? This is 1 and one thirty in the morning. Police get that phone call. Carrollton police is at the scene between 10 and 11 a.m. So they are on the scene. They find the body, and they immediately notice the camera. So the first thing they're going to do is pull the camera footage, take a look, and see if they can actually... They knew whatever had happened to this person was going to be on camera. So you see in the film a red Saturn pulling into the parking lot, and you see a male figure, what looks like a male figure, get out of the car. He opens the back driver's side door to the back seat, and he looks, and he pulls something large out of the, not... It's from a distance, but you see it sort of um, that he has to use both hands to pick this object up, okay? Mm -hmm. So what we know now is a body, pulls it out of the back seat, brings it to the ditch, and then you see him come back to the red Saturn, pull something else out, and then he goes back into the trees and the the brush, um, and all you see then, Chris, is this huge ball of fire. Like, it's unbelievable when you see this on film. It's just like this big explosion, and he just exits this explosion. You just see him come out, get back in the car, and just drive off. Well, the one thing we they don't get in the, the camera is the actual license plate. So they don't have the license plate, but they, they see actually what went down and how this person ended up where they were. I'm assuming this is a color camera. I mean, it's... They can see the color of the vehicle. And yep, everything. yep. They knew it was a red Saturn. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they had it from all different angles. I mean, th- th- they said that there were multiple cameras and multiple angles. Um, and they jumped on this quick. I mean, we're going to talk about timeline, but this happened so quickly and they identify. And so we're going to talk about how they identified the car and how they ended up realizing that it was Melanie. So... Chris, we talk about all the time, I I, I say this over and over, when you see something, say something, right? You never know that it might make a difference. You don't know if it just looks suspicious or out of place. It doesn't hurt just to say something because it it could lead to something else. And, And here's another thing. Police officers already have a duty and an obligation to do those things. But I think even they can miss some things sometimes, you know, maybe just their average daily routine of driving around and they see something and maybe they it doesn't look right. But then they're thinking, you know, what are maybe it's nothing. So then they just continue to drive. Well, thankfully, this police officer notices something the day Melanie disappeared. A Carrollton police officer notices a red Saturn parked in what he called a weird spot sitting in a parking lot of an apartment complex. He approaches the car and the first thing he notices is the smell of gasoline coming from the vehicle. So he makes a report of this, Chris. He makes a report of the vehicle with the license plate number. And after the police review the CCTV, because that vehicle description was already in the system, they were actually able to pull 
they identified a red Saturn that smelled like gasoline that that one police reported found in a Carrollton apartment complex. And then the other police officer who was on duty, who who was there observing Melanie and saw the actual CCTV footage, um, they identified that it was the same exact car. So very quickly, they identify a license plate. They run the plates. Um, it comes back. The owner of the car comes back to Melanie Goodwin's father. But remember, at the time, Chris, police don't know anything about the Goodwins. They don't know anything about Melanie. This is happening in Denton. Yeah. Nobody's reported Melanie missing. Okay, the boyfriend just wakes up and she's not there. So he's a little concerned, but there's no missing persons report. There's no missing female in the Carrollton area or any surrounding area that that ha- driving a red Saturn. Anything for for them to kind of, you know, perk their ears a little bit and um and to jump on this. So, but they do have an identification of the owner of the of the vehicle. And so what they do is they go into Arlington. That's where the Goodwins lived, and um they. They go to the Goodwin house and they quickly realize Mr. Goodwin is the owner of the vehicle and he does say that his daughter drives that car. Oh, okay. So the police in their head are thinking, well, we know we found a female body. We don't think that was a female exiting the vehicle on the video. So they have put two and two together and basically tell her parents, we have a body. Um. So they're thinking they're going to the perp's house. I mean, they're thinking with yeah. the car, you know what I mean? They're thinking that the guy they saw on video owned the Saturn, but but that was not the case. All right. So all they have at this point is a body. Now, remember, Melanie has not been identified at this point. Um her parents basically, um, I do believe the police asked if there was a certain article of um, jewelry. I do believe they found it on her persons when they found her body. And they asked the parents about that. And they did say that they did. And then they asked, I do believe, for a picture of her. Um, but at the at the moment, they just have a body. They haven't identified it as Melanie yet. They have the car. They know Melanie is the usual driver of that vehicle. But they have yet to identify what happened to Melanie and how did she end up in Carrollton? And now it's time for a wine recess. Okay, babe, we um, are starting something fresh next week. I like to say fresh, 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 um, including some fun stuff um, with your recipes that we've got for people. So we can't. We're not going to talk about that until next week. So today we did takeout because you know what? Not everybody likes to cook every single night. Sometimes you want to enjoy a nice bottle of wine. With takeout. And some of us are a little lazy. Yeah. And lazy is okay sometimes too. Busy week. Busy week at the hospital. So, yeah. So, what did you yeah, it's order? Only Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I paired, um, well, I, I mean, I ordered a pairing of. You did order a pairing. Some Thai food. So, in kind of uh, researching uh, this wine and seeing things that might match well with it, seemed to really point to. Asian, spicy, shrimp-based dishes. And so I myself had a nice uh, green curry, green uh, 
green shrimp curry, and I uh, believe you had a pad thai. So I did. With the uh, sweetness of the coconut milk and the curry and also the tamarind and the pad thai, I think it matched really well. A very delicious wine. I really liked it a lot. It's listed as a dry wine. I didn't really find it all that dry. I mean, it had a really nice... So it's an off-dry white. Yeah, off-dry. I don't know what so it's a v- Well, it's a Riesling blended with a Viognier. So you have a sweet wine in a Riesling. With a dry wine. And with a dry. I think it works perfect. Yeah, it was a great pairing um, of those two wines. Or two so grapes good. together to kind of make that wine. But I thought it was really good. It uh, was not too sweet. Riesling's usually pretty sweet. and so Very sweet. But I think it balanced well with the meal. And um, yeah, sorry guys, I didn't cook this week. But um, That's we'll get okay, back on babe. that. We're not in our element here, uh, obviously. We've already mentioned we're yeah. kind of like living, uh, living <laughs> like gypsies. Chris and I are looking and so at each other best we over an uh, exercise bike. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. We were doing I'm the like, same thing at home. So I'm like dodging, dodging my head looking for you. <laughs> but yeah, you know what? Hey, at least we have a place to record. And we it's got true. some microphones, and we've got food and wine in our bellies. Two turntables and a microphone. Two yes. turntables and a microphone. We're pretty happy people. Well, babe, it was a good takeout pairing. Uh-huh. Thank you. We should have taken pictures of the styrofoam um, containers <laughs> that it all resided in. I'm just going to let their imagination it. just take care of that for them. Yeah, Chinese or Thai takeout, <laughs> just uh, picture that. But it was really good. I thought it, it went good. well. Uh, the wine was good. I think we've already killed the bottle. So it's uh, that's a good. It's always a good sign before you get started. The bottle's gone. Um yeah, it's, I was not expecting um, when I opened that wine. I, I think I was expecting something a little more dry, but the, these two, Viognier and Riesling, it just worked really well together. Very easy drinking wine. Super easy drinking wine. Yep. And that's always my favorite. Yes. All right, babe. I don't want to put a lot of work into that drinking now. <laughs> All right. You ready to get back in the case? Yeah, let's jump All back right, in. All right, let's do it. Okay, so Chris, they have to backtrack and figure out where Melanie was before the body is found in Carrollton. So after Melanie's parents talk to the boyfriend, so, okay, her parents now get the news that the car has been found, there, there is a body, they're going to, her mom and dad want to start talking to her friends, her boyfriend, so immediately they call Ali And Ali tells them she was stopping at QT for snacks and that he spoke to her when she was inside of the store. So police now have a location to begin trying to find out what happened to Melanie. They they know actually where she at least was last seen or known to be by her boyfriend. So let's talk about um, what they find on the cameras that night inside of the quick trip. And can I just say maybe that, you know, this is several years ago and maybe things are different right now, but unfortunately, Chris, there were no cameras on the outside of this building because now we are, we, when, once we talk about what is seen inside, they, nobody really knows what happened outside. So let's, let's get through this first and then we'll talk about that. About 90 minutes before Melanie arrives at the QT, you see a man coming in and out of the store wearing very similar clothes as the man seen getting um, in and out of Melanie's red Saturn in the video um, in Carrollton. Chris, one thing that the police mentioned was that the cameras in the QT also had audio, so they could hear conversations and people talking throughout the night on these videos. Mm-hmm. So this guy comes up to the counter, and you hear him ask the clerk to use the phone. 
So according to police, he calls different people trying to get a ride, needing a place to sleep. He says he has no money, no means of transportation. He can't get anyone to help him. So according to phone records, he called five people from the QT. And nobody wanted to help. 90 minutes, in fact, the clerk, um, Chris, he asked the clerk if he could sleep there, which the clerk thought was odd. And he said, of course, you can't sleep here. But then he did give him like a snack and a drink and basically told him he kind of needed to go on his way. Um, And I'm sure, but because now we know what we know, it's... um. There's a reason why if you're at an establishment and there are people lingering around and they're not buying anything and they're not, you know, they're, they're just loitering. They're just walking around looking for whatever they're looking for. It's important to get them off your property because oh, yeah. you can avoid things like this. There's and, no doubt. And he was there for a good Mm, I would say probably with after with this ha- when it happened with Melanie, the guy's around for almost two hours at QT, just browsing people. I mean, what else was he doing? Those phone calls took about fifteen to twenty minutes. So, again, important to get to get people off the properties to avoid things like this, especially when you are not when you don't have cameras outside of your building. So 90 minutes later, the camera catches Melanie Goodwin walking into the QT. Okay, and then you see the same individual that was seen on the earlier footage following her throughout the store. Chris, it's creepy as hell. You see her walk down the snack aisle, like pick up the Cheetos, and you see him like on the other aisle watching her. And then she goes back and picks up the milk. And then you see her sort of loop around. I do believe the clerk said that she used the restroom. And I and I do believe that's when he basically decided to target her. So instead of like being staying creepily looking at her, he approaches her, Chris. And and you can because this video has audio, police can actually pick up a little bit of, of what is being said. So basically, he's he's telling her, hey, I need to go to a friend's house just right up the street, about a half a block, not far at all. And they can hear her say, no, I cannot. I can't do that. You know, and her parents have said, we raised our daughter to know that you don't pick up strangers. You don't do things like this. So there was n- you know, there was when when we know what happened to her, there was no doubt that her parents thought that she was just going to pick this person up and take him to where he needed to be. This is one thirty, one forty five in the morning. I mean, this isn't like eight o'clock at night. There's probably some people going into this store, but there's probably this the store is probably not packed and busy with people at this time of night. So you hear him approach her and talk to her. And, you know, you see, and, and basically she brushes him off and she calls the boyfriend after this. I am kind of surprised as a woman that she didn't mention this guy bugging her to him. We know the phone call is made because we see her on the phone at the counter. And this is after he approaches her with the request to drive him somewhere. Um, but Ali says that she never mentioned it, but we do know in the video that it actually, it actually did take place. Well, and I think that's why you, you just, um, can't trust anybody. And, um, 
you have to be very assertive. I mean, I don't know what her demeanor was. Well, as a 19-year-old, I'm assuming that she's not, it may just not have even crossed her mind to mention it to him. You know what I mean? That's a shame. It should always cross your mind because, like I said, you never know. And you have to let people know that you're not to be messed with and move on to the next person. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We talk about this a lot. I mean, this is unfortunately the world we live in. because they they prey upon people that um, seem a little bit, um, you know, not as concerned with something like that. And quite frankly, uh, especially at that time of night, um, you know, given the circumstances of the, you know, the time of the evening, uh, limited people in the store. Kind of a weird, I mean, I'm assuming like this is probably an odd thing. Somebody walking around the store, whatever. I mean, I'm, I think the store is somewhat responsible as well, too, for this. Um, but, you know, you just have yeah. to kind of let people know you're you're not the one. So, yeah. Um, but she doesn't mention to Ali. She, she, But she does call Ali when she's at the counter and tells him, you know, I got the snacks. I'm checking out. I'm getting in the car and I'm headed that way. So she does give him a heads up. Like I'm leaving and I'm and I'm headed in that direction. But I agree with you, Chris. I feel like the clerk. I mean, I know that you can't we're not I'm not putting blame on any of this on anyone except this piece of shit or like that we're talking about here. But you have to be, you know, he knew this guy was just roaming around the building. I mean, he knew. I mean, and again, this is why, one, you need cameras on the outside of your buildings, because if somebody is going to attack someone else, it's most not likely not going to be inside of your building. It's going to be on the outside in your parking lot. And and we see this all the time. And we even see this today in 2022 of the shit cameras that people have on their buildings. Like, things can happen, you know, and again, it's your own safety as a business owner and it's your own safety as your employees and it's the own safety of the customers coming in and out of your establishment. So making sure that things are secure. And again, you have young, these are young kids. That clerk could have been a college student. Do you know what I mean? And he, and they're working a late night shift, having their own duties, paying attention to people coming in and out, paying for gas. So just things, easy, small things that were missed that possibly just could have saved Melanie's life. All right. So you see, um, after Melanie pays for the snacks, Chris, she, you see her exit the building on the camera. So this is probably the creepiest part of this whole thing, at least for me, is when you, when you watch these videos, which they are online, you can watch them, but you see her walk out, Chris, and she goes left. You see her leave the door, go to the left, and all you see is his creepy-ass legs come out of the right side of the outside and just follow her. And then that's it. Nothing else is actually caught on camera. Chris, there were no witnesses seeing either of them getting into the Saturn. Um. Police do track the phone numbers that the suspect called, and they and again they reached out to all these people, and this is when they get his name, and this name is Ernesto Reyes. They immediately put a be on the lookout for Ernesto Reyes and a warrant for his arrest. So now they've linked it, right? They've linked the body that they know now belongs to Melanie Goodwin in Carrollton. They have um, linked the Saturn to the father that they know she drives. They see the person um, getting in and out of that vehicle on the CCTV. 
And then they once they speak to the parents and they speak to the boyfriend, the boyfriend gives them the tip of when he last heard from her. And that was coming from the QT over in Denton near his apartment. When they go there, they pull the footage, they put it all together and realize that she was abducted from this convenience store. So they immediately put out the be on the lookout for Ernesto Reyes and a warrant for his arrest is out. Chris, he is found in Mexico two weeks later, arrested and extradited back to Texas. 18 months after Melanie is brutally murdered, Ernesto Reyes is brought to trial. Okay, Chris, he doesn't speak very good English. So in his pretrial interviews, he does have a translator and they recorded um, these interviews. And he's basically saying he didn't kill anybody. He's not a killer. Um, and that he just like Melanie, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. His defense team is taking the position that Ernesto was indeed in the wrong place at the wrong time. And the person actually responsible for her death is a man named Donovan Young. So let's talk about Donovan Young. Did he speak to Donovan Young in Spanish? No, Donovan Young um, probably does not speak Spanish. Yeah, I was going to say that. but um, Yeah, so I know I, they can't speak English when they have to speak English. Yeah, I deal right? with that every day. So. Yeah, yeah. Donovan Young was a friend of Ernesto's, and in court, he takes the stand. Okay, Chris, so they're now in trial, and we're going to kind of talk about um, – how Melanie died and and a few of the other things in just a bit, but I really want to get on this Donovan Young. Um, so Donovan Young takes the stand in the trial against Ernesto Reyes. He tells the jury, the families, everyone sitting in the courtroom, what happened that night. So Chris Donovan, he's a real piece of shit too, like his friend Ernesto. So don't let his testimony um, don't let his testimony fool you. He said Ernesto drove over to his apartment at 3 a.m. the night Melanie was murdered. He told Donovan that he had killed a girl and he wanted to show him. So Donovan walks outside and sees Melanie laying in the back seat with her eyes open. He tells the court, it looked like a dead body. He basically, he told me there's a dead body in the car. I went down there and I saw a dead body in the back seat. So Chris, instead of doing the right thing like a normal person, he decides that he is not going to call the police. Ernesto asks him for a gas can and a few dollars. Ernesto uses that money to buy gas and to set Melanie on fire to get rid of the evidence. terrible so terrible i mean just so random i mean again we know the random crimes are a lot less than 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 you know intimate crimes or something you're more likely to be killed or kidnapped or hurt by someone who knows you but these are the scariest to me the worst and and it is literally just being somewhere Having someone like Ernesto Reyes needing a, a means to, to, you know, an end to his means, getting what he wants. And, and then it's just, and then he chooses her, you know, 
and he was there for two hours. You see people coming in and out of that place. I don't know. They never said if he, uh, I couldn't find any information if he asked anyone else for a ride at the QT or if he just approached her, but it's just so disgusting and so random, um, which is why we just all need to just to be careful. Um, okay, so Ernesto and the defense team, they're going to kind of capitalize on the fact that Donovan Young is a basically a, a, a known drug user, a known criminal. Um, so what they're going to say is that their story of what happened to Melody, even though even though Ernesto never takes the stand in his defense, probably because his attorneys knew he was lying um, about most of this. He doesn't take the stand. Most of the time they don't take the stand because they don't want to be go under cross-examination. Um, but they there is. So this is what he says happened. He says that. He did. He was with Melanie, but that she was talking to him outside of the QT and she was asking him where she could find some drugs. So she says he says they got in the car together, drove to Donovan Young's apartment, found pills, marijuana, other things that she was asking for and that they were doing drugs together in the front seat. And Ernesto is in the back seat. And then all of a sudden, Donovan starts going crazy on Melanie and says he wants money for for this drug and that drug. And then he kills her. And Ernesto's in the backseat going, what did you just do? What did you just do? I can't believe what you just did. Um, so the, the innocent bystander. The innocent bystander. So that's his story, and he's sticking to it. Um, but unfortunately for Ernesto, or maybe not so unfortunately, uh, but what sealed the deal for him is that his DNA um, was actually found um, in a vaginal swab done on Melanie. He thought when he burned her body that he was getting rid of all the evidence, but actually he did not destroy um, that DNA evidence. So her autopsy showed Melanie had been beaten, raped, and strangled with Ernesto's bare hands. The jury just took three hours to reach a unanimous verdict. Ernesto Reyes was guilty of capital murder. Reyes was sentenced to life in prison. Chris, he has never admitted to the murder or apologized to the Goodwin family. But, you know, guys like him don't. Young was sentenced to eight years in prison for tampering with evidence. An accessory. So on the last day of the trial, um, so her parents, Chris, got on the stand, um, her mom, and talked about what kind of daughter she was and the kind of person she was and that she was going to be missed. And basically everything they were saying about the drugs and her um, wanting Ernesto to get in the car and go find drugs was just not like their daughter. Nobody really believed it. Um but on the very last day of the trial, when um, there was a video being shown of the fireball that literally just like was blowing up a forest in this video, and you see him walk away from it, Ernesto's mother broke down crying um, hysterically in the courtroom. And Melanie Goodwin's mother went over and hugged her. And I just have to say that as difficult as I'm sure it was, it really is just two moms that are dealing with losing their children in the way that they they knew them and remembered them. You know, I'm sure Ernesto's mom didn't want to believe that her son was a 
brutal, disgusting murderer. Um, and, and Melanie's mom just, you know, Ernesto's mother didn't kill her. So, you well, know. All these people have moms. They do. They do. And, um, you know, so so she went and hugged her. And that was a big thing. And, um, you know, it was, it almost, it gave her peace to know that she could comfort the other mother who was dealing with pain in her own way, knowing that her son was a monster. So you have these just two two mothers that come together after after this um, after this trial, and you know, have an embrace and a, and a talk, and you know, they again they they both lost their children, but you know, in their own way, right, in their own heart of hearts, mm-hmm. um, they they lost their they lost their kids, and um, so. Um, he's in prison where he belongs and he has never admitted to actually taking Melanie's life. But, um, I found a Facebook group with Melanie's friends and people who have supported the family through this journey. So, um, this was a tough one. This was a tough one. And, and I remember when this happened. I do too. And we, you know, my mother lives very close to this office building. You know, this was, this is like our backyard. And, um, you know, so it really, it really hit locally here. And um, I just want, I hope the Goodwin family is doing well. And I know that Melanie is terribly missed by so many that, that loved her. Uh, Chris, I thought we could talk about, since we don't know what happened outside of the QT, do you have a theory of, Maybe how she, he ended up in that car with her. He didn't have a weapon on him. Um, they know that for sure. And there was also no witnesses. So I feel like if he would have grabbed her, she would have screamed. And somebody possibly would have heard that, including inside. Or do you think he just sort of came up from behind her and covered her mouth and pushed her in the car? She I mean, was that's not Chris, by the way, she was tiny. They didn't find any of his skin or anything under her fingernails. Most rape victims and uh, victims that are fighting for their lives will have some sort of DNA under their fingernails. They found none of Ernesto under her nails, but they believe that it was because he could almost he could take both of her wrists with one hand and was beating her with the other. So what what do you think? How do you think he got in that car? I mean, I don't think I think he, she he got in, you know, she was willing to let him in the car. I mean, I, I just, that's not as easy as it sounds, even with a small person, just to grab somebody so you from the car and was... drive down the street beating somebody as you're going. I mean, you can barely even text and drive, much less handle an individual who's right. not wanting to be in the car with you. I right. Mean, and I feel like if, so. if she was forced in the car, she would have been fighting back. So she would have had some sort of DNA under her nails. So that makes me think the same as you that she may maybe caved and gave him the ride and then he got her somewhere and like grabbed her but i mean she had no none of his dna under her nails there was no scratches on him so i mean it's just a guess it's a guess for police it's a guess for us it's a guess for for everyone that knows about this case nobody knows how he ended up in the car. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the important, you know, the important lesson is obviously, you know, you you don't go to QT at one thirty in the morning. You know, you don't help anybody. Like I said, you let them know that you're not the one. 
Uh-huh. If you absolutely have to stop and get that stuff, I mean, it's just, it's one of those things. It's like, you don't even stop and get gas. I'll go in the morning time, you know, if I'm low. Yeah. I mean, seriously, it's um, seen all kinds of crazy stuff. Nothing yeah. good happens usually after one o'clock in the morning anyway, anywhere you're at. I know. So, I mean, it's we like. We talk about that a yeah, lot. Don't go to the Jack in the Box down the street from Step Up at one thirty in the morning. Well, you don't get out of the car. Who gives a crap? So well, make come up to your driver. car and do whatever. I mean, what you're counting on cameras to people protect don't know you? what step up is. <laughs> I'm just saying you don't. You, what do you? You're counting on cameras to protect you? Uh, no, you protect yourself on the spot. I mean, who cares yeah. what happens after the fact after you're dead? I know. I mean, yeah. it's just it's like um, you know. I just think it's one of those things. You you can't walk around with your. You know, you have to have your head on a swivel. Unfortunately, I mean, I that's. Or did, or maybe he made her feel like he had a weapon. And so she didn't try anything funny in the car, possibly. I don't know. Like, I find it really the fact that she had no DNA under her fingernails is. um, It it tells me that, well, one, when he did finally decide that he was going to do whatever he was going to do, he was able to restrain both of her wrists with one hand, which her mother actually said her brother would pin her down and hold and tickle her with one hand as he held both of her wrists with one with one hand. So she his her mom testified in court that it would have been totally he would have been totally capable. She was tiny, totally capable of holding her down and beating her with one hand with one fist. I don't think that took place at QT. No, I don't think it took place at QT. And that's another thing. We don't know where. Think about this. It's one. So I'm going to say between 1.45 and 2 a.m. She leaves the QT. And so he doesn't show up into Donovan Young's house until 3. So that's all. That's an hour unaccounted for, which is when all of this went down. But Donovan Young lives in Denton. So it happened in Denton. So, I, you know, again, we just don't know. But my whole thing is nobody heard any screams. Nobody witnessed any sort of struggle getting into a vehicle. There were no witnesses to them getting in or out of this car. So I guess um, we, we'll just never know. All right, babe. Well, that concludes tonight's episode. Friends, if you want to see pictures related to this case, you can find them on our Instagram and Facebook pages. All right, babe, let's cork this wine that went so well with our to-go Thai food. Well, I would say four corks easily. Easily four corks. Oh, I was even thinking about um, implementing our half cork back, but I'll give you my idea about how we uh, how we can do that. But There's no such thing. Whatever. <laughs> I know. Why can't we just make it a thing? All right, you four can't have corks. You half of a sound, and my corks have sounds. So. Right, here's a cork. Yeah. Here's a half cork. That's just a lower cork <laughs> at a lower volume. Estrella Blanca or White Star was named after the lone star on our Texas flag. On the flag, it represents rugged individualism and an independent spirit. Spirit of Texas Winery is located in early Texas, which is between Austin and Abilene. Um, the McHughes own this beautiful winery. They both grew up in the Houston area. 
And um, they decided after working apart for 30 years, she was a teacher and he was working at a credit union. In 2016, they both decided they were going to retire and pursue a business um, in something they loved, which is wine. Those are two jobs that probably make you drink a lot of wine. (laughs) They pursued their like yours, babe. Um, at first, they looked at um, purchasing an existing winery, but they couldn't find anything that they really, really liked. So they started looking for property between San Angelo and Waco, and then they saw a property in early Texas, and they knew they had found something special. So friends, go see our friends at Spirit of Texas Winery in early Texas and tell them your friends at Texas Wine and True Crime sent you. Okay, Chris, for tonight's organization, I wanted to share a fundraiser that's been going on since 2021 in in Melanie's honor. So Melanie's family has been raising money in her honor for the Theater Arlington renovation project. So from what I've been told, it's an ongoing project, Chris, that needs the community's help. So Melanie spent a lot of time at the theater in Arlington, along with so many other young people that end up falling in love with the arts and performing. And then they go off to school and they and they um, decide to major in, in performing arts. So, guys, please check out Theater Arlington, even if it's to donate one dollar to support Melanie's cause her family's cause, Theater Arlington, um, contribute in her memory. So I think it's wonderful what they're doing. They have scholarships, I do believe, in Melanie's honor as well for people um, in the art, the performing arts. So, um, you know, I always say that uh, sometimes good can come out of of evil, evil things. And um, I'm glad that her parents are, are putting that effort into creating um, – futures for for the young people that loved performing arts as much as Melanie did. All right, babe, sad case. Very sad one. Stay safe out there, friends, okay? Stay safe, have fun, and cheers to next time, babe. Cheers, you're far away, but cheers. Cheers.